And welcome back to another episode of the Wire Fantasy Football Podcast. No Tyler again this week, but this week I'm joined with Alex as well as Ryan Thomas with the Thomas Take Sports Podcast. What's up, guys? Hey, hey, what's going on? What's going on, Tyler? What's up, Alex? How's it going? Eh. What's going on, Ryan? So this week we're gonna uh, this week we're gonna talk about some Bills Chiefs, some Patriots, and dig into a little bit of future Bills talk as well. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. It's the wire. D. Griffin. This the wire, serving up a hot take Around the league, serving jams like a hot plate Who's the flex, first pick, rounds four to eight Trading with the base, that's Superman, we need a cake This that fantasy, see who get the glory Who's gonna stay up in they lane talking Tory Who's gonna ride up on the train where the hype at Yeah, you wanna start them, but matches, you might not like that Three tutties next week, man, he's double covered Takes on a hundred coming out the oven. Tim and Todd, they the guys, know you gotta love them. Take your pick, do it quick, they on fire. The wire. Gentlemen, welcome in, both of you. Um, Ryan, I know you were on the pod. I gave it a listen. It was before my time. Um, I wasn't even a thought yet. Um, I was just, you know, I was just, I was alive, but no one knew who I was. Um, all right. So I listened to the last episode and I want to lead with this. Okay. Tim, what is wrong with you? How could you sit there and disparage Stefan Diggs? And Ryan, I got to give you all the credit in the world because you were so right about how much Diggs helped Allen and how. They lost the playoff game because they didn't have that X factor receiver. And that's exactly what, what he needed. That's exactly what Alan needed. So Tim, I just have to ask, explain yourself. Like, okay. What, all right. All right. Explain so, yourself. Tell us, tell tell the people how wrong you were and how right Tyler was. No, no. So Ryan was right. Um, I will never give <laughs> Tyler the benefit of the doubt of telling him he's right. Ryan, you were right. Um, Thank you. I so, appreciate you saying that. It wasn't that I <laughs> I need to defend myself a little bit here. So it wasn't that I didn't believe in Diggs because I believe in Diggs' talent to, to the full extent, right? It was, I didn't expect, and me as well as every other person in the entire world, didn't expect Josh Allen to take this step, right? Nobody expected him to be a top five in touchdowns and in passer rating and not turning the ball over and, he went from the statistically worst in completion percentage to being an MVP candidate in 10 months. And I didn't project it well enough. I thought it was going to be a little bit later down the line when it was going to happen, but I didn't expect week year one, never mind week one with no preseason for this to happen. Yeah, and I think that's fair. I, you know, going into the offseason and dating back to that first appearance on the show, um, I really felt like they did need that that number one wide receiver. I wondered who it would be. And I remember even dating back to the end of the 2019 season, right before the trade deadline, I should say, uh, there were a lot of discussions that the Buffalo Bills were trying to negotiate a trade with Minnesota for Stephon Diggs, even dating back to last season. So when Brandon Bean, the Bills general manager, actually was able to get it done, uh, I thought to myself, they, this team, this organization must have really, really wanted this guy to not walk away from a trade that they originally tried months and months, you know, months and months prior. And when Diggs came here, 
um, during this COVID pandemic and, you know, the, the preparation for every team was much different than what we are all accustomed to the training camp and the, the walk OTAs and stuff like that. They were all different, but Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen reached out to one another and, and made this, uh, this chemistry, this connection that was spawned over call of duty and, and uh, meeting in California for a workout. And this workout was expected to be just Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs. And when Stefan Diggs showed up, it was Josh Allen, John Brown, Cole Beasley, Isaiah McKenzie, rookie wide receiver, Gabe Davis, who has been a, a stud oh, for I this love, team. I love him. Oh, and uh, Isaiah McKenzie and, and a few, and um, Isaiah Hodgins, I should say too. So it just goes to show you kind of the, the, uh, work ethic and preparation that this Bills offense really wanted to uh, embrace Stefan Diggs as this new weapon. And I think that has been a, a, that has been a catalyst. That moment was a huge catalyst for, for uh, Stefan's success. And, and it's not just success. What has shocked me, not even so much that Allen has taken this big step forward. Um, that's a shock in and of itself, but both Allen and Stefan Diggs have broken single season franchise records for this team. This was a record shattering season. Records are made to be broken, but name a time where a quarterback and a wide receiver in their first season together, outside of Tom Brady and Randy Moss, that they broke franchise records. I mean, it really, it it just, the whole season has been astounding and we'll obviously get into it a little bit more, but I don't blame you necessarily for being a little bit skeptical on Allen being that his uh, completion percentage was only uh, 58 uh, is his first year. And then it, it kind of dipped up a little bit, um, you know, his second season. And it it's through the roof this season. And the Bills have thrown the ball more than any team in the league, including the Chiefs. So it just goes to show you that um, the offseason preparation, the offseason work that Allen put in with Jordan Palmer um, and uh, Ken Dorsey, the Bills quarterbacks coach, and obviously Brian Dable, who I think he's the the, the best head coach in Canada out there. But Reports are circulating that he's sticking around in Buffalo for the time being. Um, it's just been a collective effort. And in order to win in this league, just like the Patriots won for so many years, it has to be a collective team effort. And that's why the Bills have had results. They've been able to win as a team. Yeah, and what's really interesting to me is, you know, Diggs had an outstanding year, but it wasn't just throw the ball to Stephon Diggs. Gabriel Davis had seven touchdowns, 600 yards as a rookie. You had Cole Beasley go for 960 yards, another four touchdowns. McKenzie had five touchdowns receiving. It was it, The ball was spread out very evenly, yet Diggs' reception numbers and yards are far higher than the rest of the team. But, you know, that passing attack was just lethal all year long. And, and I mean, it, it, it's, it, it's incredible to look at. Josh Allen's a unicorn. I mean, it's never been done. No one's ever taken this much of a leap. So it's definitely understandable to say, you know, dig bringing in digs was, was the best thing Buffalo could have ever done for, for Josh Allen. I mean, I mean, we've never seen a quarterback take that leap and, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if other teams really copy that trend, right? Lamar Jackson needs a wide receiver one Tua could need a wide receiver one. You're going to see these young quarterbacks get their guy and just pepper their guy and pepper these star wide receivers because of what Josh Allen did. And it's a little bit of a dangerous formula too, because now you're going to take, you know, you're going to NFL GMs might go into a draft and just take the next Josh Allen body type prototype and say, target your wide receiver one as much as possible. 
and it's not going to work out the same way it did for Josh Allen because of what you said, Ryan, kind of that chemistry. And, you know, right. I, I read, I read the report of, was it Trey white who actually stopped playing call of duty with Diggs and Allen because he, yeah. Yeah. Cause he kept respawning Stefan Diggs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Diggs kept dying. Allen kept picking him up and Trey white would be in the corner. Like, Hey guys, like I'm here too. He's third wheeling yeah. on call of duty. And I don't <laughs> think, you know, it, it's a really unique situation and, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch over the next four, five, six years. Um, even a, even as a Dolphins fan, I'm I'm not looking forward to to Diggs and Josh Allen just running all over us. Yeah, and I mean, to, McDermott's arguably, in my opinion, got snubbed last year as the coach of the year, and I think he deserves it again this year. He's probably not even going to get recognized for it again. But what he's doing in Buffalo is unbelievable to me. My only, the only thing is, is you know, from a fantasy perspective, this backfield is a nightmare, right? Mm-hmm. For for a backfield that's been known for touches and volume for years, even with, you know, little talented players, you know, you could, there was years where, you know, Fred well, Jackson, Fred Jackson and guys like this yeah. are, are getting our RB1s. And now you have, you know, young, exciting talent with Moss and Singletary. And, you know, it's just, it's so odd. I feel like Singletary is not allowed to be on the field inside either 20-yard line, and Moss isn't allowed to be on the field outside of the 20-yard line, right? It, it, I feel like Singletary's on the field all the way until they get in the red zone, and here comes Moss. I know his body type is bigger, and he's more likely to fall forward into the end zone and things, but in an obvious passing down, I feel like Singletary's a better receiving option. Yeah, and I, you know, I could I could dive into that a lot because obviously I'm watching every single Bills game every every week. Um, you know, from week one to even now, um, I think it's been something that is is very uh, uncharacteristic of the Buffalo Bills in, in their franchise history. You go back to some of the running backs that they had. You know, OJ Simpson, Thurman Thomas, uh, even the playoff drought years. You know, Willis McGahey was a stud for them. Marshawn Lynch was a stud for them during a, a short stint with Buffalo and his rookie. You know, first few rookie seasons, um, but with this particular backfield, it's almost as if they became uh, in love with this passing offense. That they've almost just said, "Hey, our run game is actually sh- our short passing game. We're not going to run the ball between the tackles on anybody because we don't really have a a, a true uh, experienced, you know, pounded in between the tackles running back." Zach Moss was doing some decent things, and unfortunately, he got hurt. Uh, in the Indianapolis Colts wildcard round. He's out the entire postseason. That's a real big loss. Um, Devin Singletary is a smaller guy that he, he racks up the yards after catch. He, he racks up the, uh, you know, toss yards. He can take it to the sideline and take one, you know, 20, 30, 40 yards or, or even more. He's not really known as an in-between-the-tackles type running back. So they I have some work to do there. On the first, on the first attempt, every, uh, every Bills game I've watched, so I had Singletary in a couple leagues this year, mm-hmm. and I feel like every single time he was handed the ball, the first guy missed, and then you know two three yards later the second guy gets him. But he's always he's elusive, and the first guy that gets a hand on him doesn't make the play every single time, and it, it, it's it's impressive. Yeah, and I, I agree. I you know I've been somebody that I, on my show I, I'm pounding the hammer. Uh, for the Bills to use Devin Singletary more. I think he's a great player. I think he's another added weapon to this offense, even if they get him the ball via the passing game out in space, a la a 
uh, Kevin Falk of the New England Patriots back in the day, or Curtis Martin, or even Thurman Thomas. Uh, you know, so there are there are a lot of ways to get the the running backs involved in today's game rather than just the occasional single back set. Let's try to drill him in between the tackles. That's just not really who Devin Singletary is. And and I don't want to force a player into being something that he's not. I hope, you know, heading into this game against the Chiefs, that they are able to establish a little bit of a run game because in the playoffs and against an offense like the Chiefs, in order to beat a team like the Chiefs, being one game away from a Super Bowl, you have to be smart and you do have to be slightly aggressive and, and take some chances. But I think you have to be smart in the sense that if we're able to run the ball, we can keep Pat Mahomes off the field, keep Mecole Hardman, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey off the field, and wear down this Chiefs defense that is okay. I can't say they're elite. I can't say they're great. They're they're good. On a on a on a great day, they're good. I, I think they're an average defense with a well above generational great offense. Yeah, and I think that's a common trend among all the defenses at this point, right? Like only Tampa Bay is top five in DVOA where the rest of the defenses are like on their best day, they're good defenses. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, the thing with Singletary and Moss and heading into this Chiefs game, um, because we can kind of start to dive into that, I think a little bit. It's going to be really interesting because do you go away from what's working? Because, you know, Singletary isn't working and it's, you know, to me, I actually don't think Singletary is just that good of a player. And, you know, I think he's a great auxiliary piece in the backfield, you know, kind of a, a lightweight, not lightweight, a little bit stronger, kind of Naheem Hines light. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, I don't know that you want to lean on him in the run game. I think you just lean on Josh Allen in the run game and you just keep doing what you're doing. And that's how you win the game. Because if you start to, you know, the Raiders beat the Chiefs this year by giving Josh Jacobs the ball 30 times. If you had Josh Jacobs, you could do that. But in this case, I think you just have to, you know, I think Cole Beasley and Devin Singletary in the passing game are your Josh Jacobs, where you just kind of give them the short, you know, to the clock, get those first downs. And then, you know, on third and one, just let Josh Allen quarterback sneak it. Let Josh Allen take off, design things for Josh Allen and let him just be your offense like he's been all year. And I think if you get away from that, you know, that's kind of where you're going to run into trouble. If they start the game on the first drive and hand the ball off three times to Singletary, I, yeah, that, I that's don't like going. that. Yeah, right. It's, it's not <laughs> yeah. going to go well for I don't, I don't want that either. Trust right. me. But I will say, though, to, I agree with your point 100 percent. But I but I do I do think to myself, you know, this first half of this past week's game with the Bills and the Ravens, they ran three running plays. And I mean, that I love the designed run. Yeah. One was a designed run. Two was, you know, two other plays were. uh you know, and I, I, to an extent, that is the new age NFL. And with this offense, you know, I understand it, but we have to, we have to show that we can, if we, if we try, you know, we have to show we can, if we try, if we, if we don't even try, then the opposing defense is going to know what's coming. And Buffalo's offense did have some struggles uh, in, in this last week's game against the Ravens. The Ravens were, were very prepared against us, but um, momentum went one way. Tron Johnson had, arguably the best play in recent Bills franchise history with that pick six. It was 101, 102 yards. They, they said it was 101. It was 102. Ooh, you go nice. back and check it. Um, and they won't give him the, the credit for that. But, hey, it all adds up the same. So it's, we'll give him the credit here. He's well, yeah, the credit he, here. This is 102 <laughs> in my book. Thing is, you remember, do you remember his, his combine? Ron so, Johnson's? Yes. So you know the drill where they start on one sideline, they sprint down the 50, they turn each way and they catch the ball. 
He yeah. got drilled in the face like three times, and he was almost laughed out of the combine. And then oh, he makes so like the biggest play of the playoffs and returns one for a touchdown. And it was just like it, it was it was really funny to see. He just gets like he turns, gets drilled, drilled in the face, gets turns, get drilled in the face, and then like four or five throws later, he gets hit in the face again. And it was like it was like he was like the laughing stock of the of the combine for a couple minutes. But I mean, it was just a funny little tidbit. With him. <laughs> I mean, as far so as great. the outlook on this game, the one way you, I, I agree with, with Alex here. The one way you're gonna win is gonna be through the air. Oh but yeah, it's, I it's, think that's how they win. Ball, but they gotta mix in a run game a little bit. Yes, a little bit. But, and and to your point as well, use the passing game as an, an exception to the run game. So, mm-hmm. you know, get digs the ball right away, snap, throw it to him, get a, get a lineman out in front of him and see what he can do with the ball in his hands. Beasley's the same way, uh, you know, the screen games, quick games, get the ball out quick. You don't want guys like, you know, Chris Jones coming at you with a full head of steam and in these long drops. If you, if you, your best chance, in my opinion, in the game is going to be not letting the defense be comfortable. So if you're letting them pin their ears back and come after the quarterback, that's going to be trouble for Allen rather than, you know, you, you got to get, the, you got to score first, you'll get a stop and then start working your offense, making them be that double-edged sword where you don't know where it's coming from. Right. right. And that, that's kind of the thing. So, their defense isn't anything spectacular. They get hot in certain games for some reason, but I don't believe in in, in the talent to be able to stop your offense. Um, it, but at the same time, you look at your defense and you have to be a little concerned with a guy like, you know, I know um, Edmonds is going to probably have to cover Kelsey because he's one of the better cover linebackers in the NFL. And then you have Trey White who – you know, what you would expect to be on Tyreek Hill. So now you sign across these lines off and it might be a good matchup. Um, and especially if CEH comes back, that brings a little bit of a different dimension because he's better than Darrell Williams and Le'Veon Bell at this point in his career. But it's definitely possible. And I told you a year ago when we did the podcast together, when the Patriots aren't in it, or if we're, if if all else fails, we don't mind rooting for the Buffalo Bills. We hate the Jets. Woo! I love the it. Jets could go 0-16 <laughs> every single year, and I would be a happy football fan. The Dolphins, that's fine. Think- you guys can be 500 every year. I don't really care. But the Bills, like, if we're out of it, you know, and, and the funny thing is, I, I know I send it to you on Twitter, Ryan. If you guys beat the Chiefs <laughs> and play Brady in the Super Bowl, how much of a, of a kick in the ass is it going to be? as a Bills fan to think, see Brady's gone. We don't have to worry about him anymore. And then run into him in the Super Bowl. You know, you know what I call that? You know what I call that? I call that the date with destiny. That's what I call that. (laughs) If this goes down, if, if the Buffalo Bills to beat the, to be the best, you got the, you got to beat the best. We'll go to the best back to back. We'll take on the Kansas city chiefs. We beat them. We beat the defending Super Bowl champions. We're more than willing to go up against the GOAT, Tom Brady. I'll call a spade a spade. It is what it is. He's the best of all time. People can disagree with me all they want, but that's the bar that Josh Allen's trying to hit, that every quarterback should be trying to hit, is, is Tom Brady. 
But it would be uh, what a Cinderella story it would be to to beat the Chiefs and to That'd face the guy that that whooped your butt for twenty years in a Super Bowl um, at the age of forty three. What he did is is phenomenal. Um, despite you know people can say whatever they want, all the haters to Brady will say, "Oh, they got this guy, they got this guy." No, he's he's forty three years old. He threw for forty three touchdowns. Um, the guy's great. But to your point, though, talking about how your your rooting interest is is geared towards buffalo i've seen such a shift in, in the in the narrative of this buffalo bills franchise and it, and it comes with winning uh but it also comes with the the way that this team has drafted each and every year the last you know few years you touched on uh, tremaine edmonds the day that the buffalo bills drafted josh allen and tremaine edmonds i had edmonds rated as arguably the best linebacker in the league. I loved Josh Allen coming into that draft as well as, as well as Darnold. I think um, Darnold's career hasn't panned out, not necessarily because of him, but because of obviously the dumpster fire that is the New York jets. Which and we love to see. right, right. Um, we, we love to see it. Um, but I think that this bills mafia fan base has been um, seen as an endearing uh, figure in the NFL. Now um, I've, I've seen it. You know, Colin Coward is praising this Bills Mafia fan base. Kyle uh, Brandt of Good Morning Football is is kind of our, our adopted son into the Bills Mafia fan base. You, you love to see it because this team, I've been a fan of this team since I was a little kid, born and raised in Buffalo, New York, and uh, I wouldn't have it any other way. If someone would have told me that, yeah, you'd go through a 17-year playoff drought, you, you would try and try again at finding the next Jim Kelly only to find this kid that was playing Juco football for a couple of years goes to Wyoming. Um, he's, he's one of the most polarizing players in that draft for that guy to be the guy that breaks some of Jim Kelly's records. It's, it's, um, it's, it's almost like fate. I, I really feel like there's this aura around the bills right now that whether we win or we lose against the chiefs, the result of this season has been spectacular. So to, to all the members of Bills Mafia out there, uh, the best fan base in sports. I I, I don't I don't say that uh, for biased reasons. I've seen it, and uh, it's a sight to see. Yeah, and I, and I have to give credit where it's due. Really quick, Alex. I'm sorry. Uh, really quick, credit where it's due. Um, Bills fans donated a combined two hundred and forty thousand dollars to Lamar Jackson's. Mm-hmm. Charity. That's exactly what I was going to say for yeah. those uncultured Patriots fans out there. I mean, how, you know, what Bill's Mafia has done and it, what makes them so likable is their fans, right? I mean, it's been so long since they've, they've, they've been in this situation and they're accepting it and they're winning with grace at this point, right? Like they're saying, hey, Lamar, we're sorry you got concussed. Like, here's a bunch of money towards your, your charity. And that's really amazing to see. Um, yeah. It's really hard to hate Bill's Mafia. I, I know they throw everybody into chairs and, oh, sorry, to tables and, you know, I think that chairs stuff, too. <laughs> yeah, chairs. Like, just find an object you can throw somebody into, right. and the bills are all about it. Um, and you know that that culture, it it's it's pretty, it's very unique. Um, and right. especially, it's especially amazing, amazing to see a group of people come together and love football, love their team, but also win with grace. Um, as someone who lived in New England for a long time, winning with grace was not a thing. Just for the right. record, Tim. Hey, you brought it on yourself living in the heart of Massachusetts, being a Dolphins fan, a proud, outspoken Dolphins fan. I am so happy Tom Brady decided to finally shake Drew Brees' hand after a game. Okay, Tim? 
<laughs> we can say we can say with confidence that as of now, there is zero evidence of a Buffalo Spygate. That's true, and they haven't even cheated. That's right. The Bills haven't even cheated for for how far they've gotten. Josh There's Allen no deflated could, footballs. There's no weird weight training. Are we really doing this right now? Josh Allen could throw a fully inflated football from the the one to the to the other one. I oh, that's great. How old is he? He's 24. <laughs> we can't compare him to Tom Brady. Tom Brady's old enough to be his father. We like, could say how though, be his father, not at 16 in high school having a child, like in the NFL, <laughs> and having him as a child. You know so, what's really? You know, I have a point about that too. It's so funny, and it dawned on me the other day. There's a there was a player that played on the Buffalo Bills by the name of Antoine Winfield, yep. corner, stud corner, the Ohio State. His, you know, he has a long career. He played with Buffalo, Minnesota. He has a few kids of his own. Antoine Winfield Jr. is a safety on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady played against his dad. That's how old wild. Tom Brady. I mean, there's another one coming out in the draft from Ohio it's State. So wild. That's uh, <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's I really unbelievable. hope. I really hope Frank Gore gets to play with his son. Not to go down that rabbit hole, but oh yeah, that'd, that'd be so sweet. Fun fact: His son actually was was this close to committing to uh, the University of Buffalo when Frank Gore was here, but then he he went to another school. I can't remember where he went, um, but it was it was close. He almost committed here. He, he was visiting here um, to go to to go to school and play football here. But yeah, and I mean, to your point earlier, touching on Josh Allen about how you know your your expectations for him, you, you didn't expect it. I want to touch back on that real quick. I mean, the the progression. I think it, it goes beyond the weapons that he has. I think to say, oh, he's had this 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 year because of the weapons that he has had, there is a remarkable difference in the way this quarterback yep. throws the football in comparison to, oh, to the way that he did last year. The absolutely. confidence addressing the line. I mean, there were weeks last year where he just looked flat out shell-shocked. This year, it's like he's been on this team. He's quarterbacked for 10 years in the NFL. He just looks like yep. a completely different guy out there, so. He's totally yeah. in control. I got to agree with that. Like there yeah. is never a moment that seems too big for, for Josh Allen. And when you, you know, when you put, you know, Lamar Jackson in that game looked really flustered at points, right? He'd run over to the sideline mm. and start yelling at Jim Harbaugh. And I, and I love Lamar Jackson. I think he's great, but you could just tell, like he's got this certain yeah. composure. He's got the certain poise that isn't really teachable. It's just something that comes with the chemistry in the offense, knowing the playbook and just having trust on every single person that you play with to go out there and say, I'm going to make this play because I trust everybody around me. And that's what makes the Bills team, I think, you know, if it, I'd love to see the Bills win the Super Bowl, I really would. Um, and I think it's kind of that they have the X factor that you can't explain. And I think right. it comes from, from Allen's poise, uh, um, or at least highlighted by that. I swear, I, I, w- I will shed, I, I will ugly cry when they win that Super Bowl. It will be, <laughs> I mean, it's been a, it's, I, I never thought we would even be here. Um, and even even though I knew that this team was getting better and the drafting was just uh, paled in comparison to the just awful regimes of years past, I never thought that it would be this quick. Um, and to see it, uh, I gotta, I'm not going to lie to you, when I saw that playoff bracket and I saw the Bills kind of, you know, beating Indy, beating Baltimore and moving on to the AFC Championship, it it's very surreal. And, and that's the feeling in Buffalo. We believe that our team is is better than it's ever been since the, since the Kelly days, but seeing it, um, it it's, it's truly astounding and amazing what this team has done in such a short amount of time. Yeah. Especially after the Patriots the domination. 
Yeah, right, right. And McDermott needs more credit. I mean, he does. And talk about, I mean, to t- NFL. yeah, to touch on McDermott too. Like these players just seem to want to um, rally around him. They buy into his image. And Sean McDermott as a coach is a very, uh, I don't want to say reserved, but he is he is a quiet leader, focused, dialed in. Um, and, and he's one of those guys that he wants his players to be the same way. You don't really see a lot of uh, brash, you know, cocky attitude from any of these players. They're all high character guys. And um, going into the or actually beyond the Colts playoff win, Sean McDermott, I've never heard the guy swear in a press conference or in the locker room or in any of the training camps. He's like, that's a hell of a, you know, and he drops the F-bomb. The whole locker room just exploded being that he was he was just finally ready to just let that energy go and um the players are feeding off of him he's feeding off the players and i think that's why the team has just been so successful it goes back to even when they had marv levy as a coach the players love marv levy marv levy loved his players and it played itself out on the field the football the game of it is fun for this team the preparation is the work and and that's what sets them apart i think right now oh yeah yeah i mean and definitely going to be an interesting game you got you, if Mahomes is healthy and he plays, which he looks like he will, it's it's oh, gonna yeah. be it's gonna be a good game. It's gonna be a high scoring game. I'm I'm betting the over before even knowing it. Um, <laughs> fifty three, Tim. Fifty three. Is the it, Chiefs? The Chiefs are only three point favorites right now. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's, that's because they have to reserve the fact that Mahomes may be in concussion protocol. You know, but um, it's gonna be an interesting game. Um, so. I know you wanted to touch on some thoughts on the Patriots and what you thought. Yes. So I'll let you take the lead on this one and see where you want to go with that. The new England Patriots. Okay. So as, <laughs> as uh, we kind of touched on it before the show, we were hitting the record button uh, as, as we uh, were leading up to the show, this is uncharted territory. We've touched on it as far as the bills and the success that they've had. But I have to say, um, what a change of the guard we are about to witness in the AFC East from what I expected the bills to be. I expected the bills to be like a 12 and four, maybe 13 and three team. They finished 13 and three. I thought the bit, I thought the, uh, pardon me. I thought the Patriots would be like an eight and eight, nine and seven team, maybe skid into the playoffs. I think it's going to be a long time before the Patriots are competitive again. Um, I was astounded when they went out and got Cam Newton, I, I did not think that it was uh, the fit that they thought it would be. I don't even know if they thought it was a fit. I think maybe they thought maybe, you know, all things considering with COVID, they'd be able to sell some jerseys that were Cam Newton jerseys. That's about it. And and not to just bash Cam Newton, but it, it's kind of like, how did anyone expect anything different to go down with the Patriots when Cam Newton has, has been just such a uh, shell of himself he was really the since the Super Bowl. He was um, the best possible candidate to be the, the quarterback of this team. He so for, I for, well, I, I don't think so, to be honest. I, I think that given given the year that you're about to go under, you know that you're not gonna be a good team. Right. It's almost like they put themselves in what I'd like to call like a quarterback purgatory. They were just good enough to go what six and ten, seven and nine, which isn't great. But this was the year that they could have taken a backseat for just this year, and it would have paid massive dividends for their future, getting a guy like Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. Obviously, they would have had to go 
you know, really, really south in order to get Trevor Lawrence. But I so, think they got to make a big trade here for a Stafford or a Matt Ryan or, or somebody in order to be, or maybe a Deshaun Watson in order to be competitive for the foreseeable future. So, you know, on the podcast, I said it multiple times and, and being a lifelong Patriots fan, when I said the Patriots were going to go six and 10, I, I got text messages, Facebook messages, Twitter messages from people all over New England, friends, family, coworkers telling me I am absolutely out of my mind. I said, I hope so. so. <laughs> they told me that I'm, I'm, I'm an idiot. I have no idea what I'm talking about because, you know, they're, they're a minimum of a, a 10 and six team. And I, and I said, I'm like, you know, so the reason why I thought Cam was the best possible solution was because if you have a Jared Stidham or if you have, it, it would have been, a, at least they weren't a laughing stock from every single game perspective. You know, they almost beat the Chiefs with Brian Hoyer. Realistically, if he, if he didn't take a sack like he was a rookie and he's 37 years old at halftime, they'd be, they would have been up at halftime. It's a whole different football game, but his ability to run the ball and them for them to run like a wing T offense made up for the deficiencies that they had and kept them in certain games. Now I, I say, agree. They should have just sucked. Start Hoyer and, 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 and trade Gilmore and do a full 100% rebuild. Like we all want to do with our dynasty teams after they get knocked out <laughs> of the first round, do the same thing with the Patriots, right? You know, trade Gilmore, get a first round pick. You know, move move an Edelman for a third. Send him to Tampa Bay. Let him go in the sun with Gronk and Brady, and or, or send him to New Orleans with Breeze. Or you know, you're just sitting on these contracts and these guys that there's no real future to build around. With the only athletic, the only offensive talent this team had was the two offensive guards that they had. Outside of that, I can't really look at another team and say they're a starting player on it on another team. Ryan, I have a fun, oh, have yeah, a fun stat, go. Ryan, if, if sure. you'd like to hear. It won't further the conversation, but it will <laughs> lighten your day, maybe. So <laughs> Kyle Borgannoni, I'm butchering that. He's a writer for the Fantasy Footballers. He's actually the chief writer. He came out with an article earlier today that Kim Newton had as many passing touchdowns as slot wide receivers through in 2020. That blow your to, mind. And I, I don't say this about players. Like I respect any football player for what they do, putting on the pads, putting on the helmet, taking the hits. Right. Cam Newton didn't deserve the right to replace Tom Brady. And in all, in all honesty, it, it's, I think it was a huge slap in the face to the fans to, to in, in hindsight, like maybe at the, maybe at the time they signed him, right. Maybe at the time they signed him, Oh, it's a low risk, high reward move. Okay. But then seeing the way Cam actually played, the look on his face when he's on the sideline, when something doesn't go his way, he's dejected and he, and he almost appears as if he's a quitter. And that's not the guy you want representing the New England Patriots as, as your quarterback. I mean, I think that it's a one and done operation, a one and done experiment. Um, it, it, you know, they went six and 10. I feel like they would have been better off going three and 13. There were some games that they won that they shouldn't have won that, you know, if they had if they had Jared Stidham, who's younger, you know, they might have been able to see what he's made of. I don't know if he's made of out of a lot, but I know that Jared Stidham might make a mistake or two. But the whole Cam Newton personality just does not mesh well with Bill Belichick. And and for Bill Belichick to kind of take this this um, 
risk, even for a season. I, in hindsight, as I look back, it, it was just such an odd decision from that team. And it, it didn't fit what they're trying to do. And, and that's the question. What are they trying to do? Are they rebuilding or are they trying to remain competitive with the, with the lease on life players that they have, you know, um, through the next few years? I don't know. I, I think they need to hit the reset button and they need to do it quick before oh. the Miami Dolphins get better and before they pull away from the Buffalo Bills completely. I, I got to disagree. I, Tim, you agree? I can't agree more. I got to disagree. Everything he's saying about the Patriots is exactly what I was saying in June and July of last year. You know, suck. Go ahead, tank. Just There's suck. no point for just one year. There's, you suck for one year and you pay, it pays off. Yeah, and, I mean, yeah, they're set up. They have a lot of cap space, but I mean, Great cap space is wonderful, but this is a team that has historically never paid since Adalis Thomas. I can't remember other than so Adalis Thomas and Stefan Diggs are the only two big signings the Patriots have ever had in my lifetime. Stephon you mean Diggs. Gilmore? Gilmore. Yeah, yeah, Stefan Gilmore. Think, think yeah, he's he's over Stephon here Diggs. dreaming. Yeah, he's wishing. So, I got to disagree with you both, actually. And the reason, and this pains me to say, like, I don't even want to disagree with you guys, but I, but I am. Their defense was atrocious this year. And I think Tim brought up a really good point and that Cam Newton covered it up. I mean, on a per play basis, they were like the worst defense in the league. They were absolutely <laughs> abysmal. Offense, but, right? No, defensively. Defensively, defensively they, they were, were like, bad. yeah, yeah per, on bad. a per play yeah. basis, they were like the worst defense in the league. Yeah, because they couldn't um, stop Right. They couldn't stop anything. It was just they had, a, they had Cam Newton cover it up. They lost more pieces to a COVID opt-out than any other team in the league. They, they lost all of their defensive pieces. Um, unfortunately, Gilmore had that really bad injury at the end of the year, but even he did not have a Gilmore kind of season. He was fine. Uh, you know, he did what he did. But I think combined with, you know, those players are coming back and they have all, they, I think they have like a top five, the top five cap space. And I know they don't traditionally go out and sign people, but pr- traditionally they have Tom Brady and, and Bill Belichick. They don't need to sign these guys. Where now I think you're going to start to see a changing of a guard in another way, and that the Patriots are going to have to go out and sign some of these high end free agents to compete because I think they have the defensive pieces to do so, and they're not just going to let half their team rot away. Edelman, so- yeah, Edelman's dead dead cap. I, I don't think he'll stay, and and he should probably go. And there are players that with that have way too much money on the books that don't belong, but I see a quicker turnaround for this team than maybe what we saw this year. Yeah. So my concern is, yes, spend it, but you have to spend it correctly. So, you know, being a a big basketball guy, you know, the, the Detroit Pistons had like three guys under contract about six or seven years ago, probably about eight years ago. Now they signed two guys to what are called max contracts in the NBA. And one of them was Charlie Villanueva. The other was Ben Gordon. Now, I don't know if you guys are big basketball guys, but at the time they were all-star caliber, a little bit lower than all-star caliber players, but they just spend money to spend it, and then they put themselves in cap hell again. So spending it correctly compared to, you know, because I think Hightower retires. I think Marcus Cannon retires. So now you're losing your starting tackle and your be- your only linebacker that's, supposed to be on an NFL field. Um and you know Joe Tooney is a free agent after being on a on a um franchise tag. So it's you're in a weird spot 
financially where, yeah, you have a lot of money, but do you want to just spend it just to spend it? Or you, you have to build it correctly. You have to build the team up correctly. And I'm sorry, but spending 15% more on your special teams compared to any team in the NFL isn't going to help you win games unless you're winning the games. That's a, that's a fair point. I, I feel I do understand the um, situation and the, and the way that that was kind of illustrated as far as how the Patriots have to bring in free agents. But the problem is what free agent outside of big money, what reason would a free agent have to go there? They don't have anybody. Like yeah, that, it's no it's, longer I'm going to win a ring with Tom Brady. Right. They, they don't have – they don't have really anyone and, and outside of, I mean, on offense in, in particular too, they could spend a lot of money on a, on a wide receiver. Who's going to be throwing him the ball. How good is that receiver going to be with Jarrett Stidham throwing him the ball? I hope for the sake of the New England Patriots fan base that they do not bring back Cam Newton. I wouldn't touch Cam Newton with a 10 foot pole. If I was Bill Belichick ever again, I would, I would walk away from that experiment and just say, yeah, we tried it. Didn't work. Uh, that's that's fine. We'll move on. I think Cam Newton is unfortunately damaged goods. And, and even worse than that, I think that mentally um, he's nowhere near the quarterback that that he was. I don't know. I don't know if it's beyond the Super Bowl loss or the injuries or maybe a little bit of both. But what I saw in, in each time I watched the Patriots, which was a lot, they put the Patriots. And that's another egregious fact. The Patriots, as bad as they were, were put on prime time. We had to watch that team. Even a Patriots fan would say it was rough, right? Like Patriots fans didn't want to watch that on primetime. So I feel like they're in a state of transition, no doubt about it. And, um, you know, I think Buffalo is is going to reign over this division for for a while. And I'm not just saying that just to say it. I think the hierarchy is Buffalo and Miami probably battling it out a little bit. Miami's got a lot of questions with Tua that haven't been answered yet. He's a rookie and, you know, maybe they'll answer themselves soon for the better or for the worst. Um, maybe they do go out and get Deshaun Watson in a trade. You know, the Jets, were you guys blown away with the with the hire of Robert Salee? I, I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if any Jets fan is like, woohoo, we're gonna be 14 <laughs> and two in a couple years. It's just not really headed in a direction. It's just kind of a wait and see approach from what I'm seeing of New England and the Jets mostly. Yeah. No, I, I agree. It's, 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 it's going to be weird. And, and, and the real weird thing is going to be what happens with Sam Darnold. Uh, Cause mm-hmm. you know, do they go fields or Lance or Wilson at two? I got to tell you, I feel sorry for Sam Darnold. I really do. I know that so much he's made it. some mistakes, but he's, he's, he deserves a lot better than that. I think a lot of players would, I think players would agree with that too. Yeah. <laughs> players that play him would agree that, yeah, he deserves a lot better. You know, the, the Jets haven't really done a, anything to build around him outside of overpaying a running back that literally quit on his team, and they thought that that was going to work. I just – I don't know, man. The Jets are – they're wacky. They're like that wacky uncle at the Christmas party that you're like, oh, God, here we go. Yeah, the one that's <laughs> but And I think Darnold is a you – know, mid-tier NFL quarterback as far as talent's concerned, just a wasteland over there of, you know, it's he's handing the ball to like Frank Gore and you know, yeah. that's great. But as a team that's rebuilding, you know, you're handing the ball to Frank Gore, throwing to guys like Brashad Paraman, who are I'm sorry, but 
not very good. I mean, no. this is and probably the best year of his career, and that's saying something. And Chris Hogan, who was on the Bills, you know, three, four, five years ago and was on the Patriots. Yeah. You know, it's it's yeah. just um a hodgepodge of of issues. And I mean, when I look at where these teams are headed, I just think Buffalo is is miles away from even Miami, who Miami will probably hold hold the fort down in second for for a while. But based on the way the Bills have played, not just this year, but based on who they have and who they will have and how they draft. I mean, a guy that we haven't even mentioned on the show is is Brandon Bean. And I mean, without without Sean McDermott somewhat recruiting Brandon Bean to come here, being that they had a working relationship together in Carolina. I really don't know if this team would be what they are without both of them. It's, it's been a collective, you know, it's really tough for me to give one uh, more credit over the other. It's, it's literally what we like to call in Buffalo, Mick Bean and Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean. Yeah, no, I agree with that. You know, I think it's, we, I mentioned earlier, there, there's one, one defense left in the playoff of the top five DVOA and Miami has a fantastic defense, but if, if two is, if two is the guy, either Tua wasn't healthy this year or just, com- I don't want to say a complete bust at this point because he has a lot of development. You know, we saw it with Josh Allen, right? You can't call anybody right. a bust these days. Right. Um, <laughs> but, I, you know, I, I, to, personally, I think I genuinely think Tua was hurt. But, yeah, no, I totally agree. Josh Allen has such good command, and, and I don't think they're losing anybody for a few years anyway. I think I saw most of your receivers are under well, – at least John Brown is under contract till 2022. And even when he walks away, yeah, it's you got Gabe Davis. Yeah. You guys have all these returning pieces and, and mm-hmm. it just goes to, you know, show how well the bills really have drafted. They've drafted that team and Diggs was, you know, I know Diggs is the premier free agent and, and he came in and, you know, he made, he helped change the team a lot, but I, I think you make a really good point in that they, they draft so well and, and they put these pieces around Josh Allen that make sense for him and really, best utilize his talent if the jets want to copy any blueprint it would be buffaloes it would be putting an offensive line out there bringing in mitch morse daryl williams was a was a stud signing as well he's been a fantastic right tackle for this team and um, john feliciano who had played in uh, oakland back when the raiders were in oakland for a couple years he surpassed you know any and all expectations um you know and, and obviously you know, the previous offseason to Diggs, they bring in John Brown and Cole Beasley. We touched on Cole Beasley and the statistics that he has had. He was, you know, X amount of yards away, not many yards away from a thousand yards this yep. year. Had he stayed healthy, he 100% would have hit a thousand yards. So he would have had not one receiver at over 1,500 yards, but another receiver over a thousand. And um, it, it just goes to show you that this offense is a pick your poison offense. I don't know if they're as good as Kansas City. We're going to find out Sunday, though. Yes, we are. Yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be an interesting one. Um, you know, so what are you, what's your prediction as far as scores? Scores for the Chiefs and, and Bills. I'm going to pick the Bills. Um, I have to, right? Oh, I, mean, I didn't to, see to keep, that one. To, to keep the optimism takes going, and I'm just firing off all these Homer. No, but I mean, there's a lot of facts to what I'm saying here. I think that the roles will be reversed. The the thing, the thing of it is we suffered as a fan base for almost for over 20 years since those four Super Bowl losses, we, it was just suffering and pain. Now we're back and we're firing on all cylinders. 
Now the roles are going to reverse. Maybe the AFC East will have New England on the bottom. If if they, if they keep Cam Newton, they will be. So, so, what's, so what's the score in the game? Let's see what score, you score in the game. I had to take a shot at New England before. Yeah, I I'm so appreciative. Ryan, you're welcome anytime. <laughs> <laughs> so score, I think it's going to be 34 to 31. Josh Allen has the single best game of his career. He's going to have to if he's playing Pat Mahomes and he's if he's beating Pat Mahomes, beating Pat Mahomes. I think he's going to put up. I think they're going to have 34 points. I think both Mahomes and Allen will throw for over 400 yards and maybe both of them throw for four touchdowns. I think it's going to be a way. I guarantee you this, this is a hot take, but I, I fully believe it. This game will surpass the entertainment value of the Super Bowl by mm. a country mile. And that's even if Buffalo plays in the Super Bowl, if Buffalo beats the chiefs to go to the Super Bowl, they, they might win it. They, yeah. they might win the whole thing. So um, that's how I kind of see it playing itself out at 34, 31 shootout, um, a game for the ages. Alex, what be, you got? Yeah. I actually have a question for you, Ryan. This might be really dumb too. You can say if it is, would you almost rather for how far the bills have gotten and for how far they've exceeded your expectations? Do you feel more comfortable with your team playing against the chiefs than you would maybe the Browns? And I know that's kind of dumb because you obviously want to play the Browns to beat them. But just mm-hmm. as terms of that underdog feeling of play loose, Josh Allen, do whatever you want, like go out there and be yourself because we're the underdogs. We're not, you know, we're not expected to beat the Chiefs. Is there some, you know, is there a little bit of that with you and the Bills fan base or not really? Oh, oh 100%. I would say that I would say that it's a, a storybook season and it's had like these uh, chapters, if you will, that are so fitting. I mean, no one expected the. I didn't expect the Buffalo Bills being the AFC Championship game. I'll say it right now. I did. I didn't expect it. I thought best case scenario they go ten and six, win the division, win a playoff game, and then you know they get bounced out. That's that was my expectation. But they've surpassed that, and now it's the whole narrative. Like I said earlier, to to be the best, you got to beat the best, and this is the measuring stick. This is like the date with destiny. Like we have to play the Chiefs in order to make the Super Bowl. I wouldn't have it any other way, to be honest. And I think that the Cleveland Browns, I would have loved to have played the Cleveland Browns just for the fact that we would have hosted the Cleveland Browns. Right. Cleveland would have had to come to, to Bill Stadium in Orchard Park, New York. Um, and I think that would have been a very tough game for Buffalo, though. I think uh, the run game of Cleveland with Chubb and Hunt is is just as dangerous to Buffalo as Pat Mahomes, if not more dangerous to Buffalo. I, I, I agree because you you really struggled this year stopping the run. Right, right. So um, I think that uh, they match up pretty well with KC if KC tries to spread things out. Our secondary is the best part of our defense with Trey White, Hyde, Poyer, Teron yeah. Johnson stepped up. I know he had the combine That's- moments, but you know, Levi, <laughs> Levi Wallace. Uh, <laughs> I hope he doesn't get hit in the face by Patrick Mahomes. Right. He'd break a nose. That, that's for sure. If Josh Allen was throwing those passes, he, he might take his head off with those throws. I don't know. Catch it with his but, helmet. <laughs> but uh, I think they match up pretty well with KC on paper. It, whether that plays itself out on the field, man, we'll find out Sunday. It's, it's just such an amazing, uh, amazing game. So, Alex, what do you got for a score prediction? Man, I'm just so – I feel like I've been enlightened by Bills Mafia. I'm going to take the Bills 41-38. Um, I think Jordan Poyer – I think those safeties make a huge difference. I think that that's kind of how you beat Pat Mahomes is you have two really smart safeties that, that can disguise coverages. 
and, you know, just kind of outplay him a little bit. And I think uh, Jordan Poyer comes up with the game winning pick because he is vastly underrated in, in, in the league. So I'm going to be, I'm going to be the, uh, the opposite of you guys. Oh man. Unfortunately, I'm sorry, Ryan, but I'm putting, if I'm putting my money somewhere, it's going to be on Patrick Mahomes. Um, and I have them winning 31, 28. Um, I think Allen struggles a little bit. Um, I do think that for some odd reason, this is going to be a game where Andre Roberts has a big day in the return game, like one for a touchdown, another punt return that, you know, gets him in good field position and really, you know, swaps, you know, moves his field position around a little bit. I think he has a big day, but you know, you guys match. This is the best matchup for you. If, if, you know, cause I agree you guys would have struggled with Cleveland. Um, and, but, and I'm not saying that because I'm afraid of Baker Mayfield. I Baker Mayfield is the most overrated quarterback in the NFL. In my opinion, that's just oh. my opinion. I think he played. I mean, I just want to touch on this real quick. I think that they had a chance to win that game even before Mahomes got hurt and Baker Mayfield played it safe. They played, they played a safe game. You can't play a safe game against the defending Super Bowl champions and expect to beat them. And um, I was actually disappointed in, in Cleveland. I thought they had the goods to, to pull it off. And uh, I think right now, a lot of Cleveland fans are wondering what if, and I, I think they should be. I mean, I thought that they were that right punt, in position. That punt and, with uh, four minutes left is, is unbelievable. I don't know it's how egregious. you punt the ball there. Yeah, yeah I it, really it don't. made no sense to me, and I'm shocked that more people aren't really talking about it. I watched it, and I'm like, Baker Mayfield, third and 11, drops back, throws a pass in the flat to Nick Chubb, who's double covered. I, I just don't <laughs> understand and all the love for Baker Mayfield, he gets so much credit. He gets so many endorsements. Where are the where's the love for Josh Allen? Where where's this where's the you know Hulu on Sports Live you know commercial with Josh Allen? I think I'd it's take mustache, Josh Allen honestly. I, I'd take Josh Allen any day of the week over Baker oh, Mayfield. No, you're not doing as a small franchise is let everybody overlook you. Always be the underdog because there's no yeah, pressure on him. If he's on national TV, the cover of Madden, yeah. all of this attention, do <laughs> you really want to glorify him? And now all the pressure's there, and he has to live up to expectations. He could, you know, remember, Baker's had some good years. He, uh, what was his rookie year? He set, he set the record for touchdowns for a, for a rookie, and he also had the most passing yards, I believe. So he is a little overrated, but it's it's more – let's you know, let him be the hidden gem in Buffalo. Let, let everything stay quiet over there. Cause that's, you know, be, be the quiet little brother that always ends up squeaking it out and, 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 and getting you a chance to dance because. Well, as, as someone do, with a, as someone oh, with yeah. a terrible mustache myself, I, Josh <laughs> Allen can't be the face of anything. Have you seen his mustache? I mean, come on. He can't, if you put Josh Allen on Madden, Dude, it's cold no here. He needs, some, it. he needs something to keep his face warm. Like I do. It's, it's 20 degrees got, out here. He's got Stefan Diggs <laughs> to keep his face warm. They're just hanging out all the time, holding hands. And I don't blame them. I mean, they're incredible, but yeah, no, that, that mustache can't be the face of anything. I love Josh Rem- Allen, but not happening. Rem- remember though, you know, diamonds are created under pressure. And then Josh Allen's a diamond in the rough, to say the oh least. Oh, my God. I love this. Oh, man, this is so great. I love this. You were like, I, I think Josh Allen's going to struggle. 
what if, if Josh Allen struggles and I, you know, that's fine. That's your take. I appreciate it. Josh Allen struggling. Josh Allen on a bad day is Cam Newton in 2020 on a great day. Oh, I Cam mean, Newton, it, on it, a perfect day. Let's not even give him great. <laughs> All right. I got to say, I do, I do want to talk a little bit about the fantasy values and, and fantasy of, of the Buffalo Bills. So I was just kind of researching a stat, and there's one stat I love for tight end. I love, I like to see how much yak is created per reception. I think that gives you a good baseline of a skill set of a tight end. It's not right. a perfect stat. It's not a measure all. But there are three tight ends this season who had a 6.1 uh, yards per, uh, sorry, basically yak per reception. It was George Kittle at 6.1. It was Noah Fant at 6.1. These two guys are the up and coming. Obviously, Kittle's great, fantastic, one of the best tight ends in the league. Noah Fant, he's starting to get there. He's elevating his game so much. Number three at 6.1 as well was Dawson Knox. Tell me why Dawson Knox doesn't get more touches in the Buffalo well, offense. Well, it's he does get lost in the shuffle a little bit with Diggs, with Beasley, with Brown, with Gabe Davis. Um, but there are times where Dawson Knox could make a catch that is just un- un- unbelievable, to be honest. Just an unbelievable catch. And then there are these easy passes where Josh <laughs> Allen throws it right into his breadbasket and it just drops to the ground. Um yeah. I've I, it's he's just such a hot and cold player and I think that with the type of offense the Bills run he's not necessarily the best blocking tight end so on downs where they need a blocking tight end he's not on the field he's just simply not out there so he doesn't really get the snaps that that you would normally see from a tight end that puts up a statistic like that I I think that that is the missing piece of this entire offense even outside beyond the run game because the run game is, is what it is. It's, it's just the day and age, I think partially to what we're living in, in the NFL, but the tight end situation, if Buffalo had a, a Gronk dimension to this offense, it'd be the greatest offense in football. It'd be even better than Kansas city's. I, I really believe that. But do you think that Dawson Knox could be, they're just not ga- They're not giving him enough targets, not giving him enough of the game plan. Thus far. I, I don't think so. Thus ju- okay. just going by what I'm seeing so far. I don't think so yet. But the potential is there. I mean, he is he is a elusive receiver yeah. out there. He can he's, he's he can Mike catch Gesicki a little bit. He, right. I mean, he he's, has a little Mike Gesicki in him. Although, for whatever reason, Mike Gesicki is this athletic freak, but he can't break tackles. I don't know why. I don't know what that's about. But no, he he does. He kind of reminds right. me. He kind of has that same skill set to me, and he might not be off the charts like Gesicki is. But you know, I good i'm glad you gave me a little bit of insight because now i can cross dawson knox off my dynasty list not the trade well (laughs) i i wouldn't though because he does have he he does have josh allen throwing to him and this off this offense is only going to get better especially with brian dable coming back for another year he's not going anywhere from, from everything that i'm hearing so this offense can only get better if they do establish a little bit more of a run game that'll open up their short passing game which I think would help Dawson Knox. So I'm not willing to say that Knox is, you know, a bust, but I'm not willing to really say he's a George Kittle or Noah Fant yet either. I think he's a smidge yeah. below so, that level. Oh, yeah, he's, I think so. <laughs> yeah. As far as, talent, as far as talent, he's probably in that, you know, 12 to 15 range as far as talent-wise, just not yeah. fantasy-wise, they're talent, right? Mm-hmm. So, but when it comes to fantasy-wise, I'm not going to be at all surprised if next year he has 600 yards and eight or nine touchdowns. I'm I'm not going to be surprised at all because 
He has a size for it. He he has the there's going to be volume there. And if he plays another four games, we're talking about him probably being a 500 yard receiver this year, uh, and yeah. then five five touchdowns or so. I think the best is yet to come for him, and I don't know what that will entail. You know, I don't know if that means he's an elite player or if it means he's just a smidge below that. But I think he he does have the makings physically, as you said, talent wise. The guy can run. Um, he, he can break tackles, unlike the before mentioned Mike Gasecki. I think it's more his hands, to be honest. He, he's dropped some passes. He led the league uh, last year in, in rookie tight end drops. And I think he even led the, the league in tight end drops beyond the right. So um, I, I think that he needs to, uh, you know, brush up on that. And he's not going anywhere. I know that they, they have him under a rookie contract and he's he's little to nothing against their salary cap. So I know that the organization believes in him, too, because they traded up to get him uh, in that draft. So, you know, that, that's a player that the best is yet to come, I think. And what that what that means and what that will entail. Um, someone remains to be seen yeah and then it's you know what are your thoughts on Gabe Davis he's 21 years old a lot of 600 yards seven touchdowns mm-hmm. as the what fourth fifth option on that offense if 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 you see them try to you know wiggle some cap room and move John Brown we may be talking about him being him being out opposite of Stefan Diggs and having Beasley in this slot and three wide receiver sets Mm-hmm. We may be talking about him getting because he had 62 targets this year. We may be talking about Gabriel Davis getting 80 targets next year. Yeah, I, I completely agree with your assessment. You you took the words right out of my mouth actually when um, you you mentioned Gabe Davis going into this season. They drafted two wide receivers. They drafted Gabe Davis and they drafted Isaiah Hodgins. Both guys, Oregon State. You know, both both guys didn't go to Oregon State. One went to UCF and Davis. The other went to Oregon State and Hodgins. And, um, you know, they both had solid college careers. They were both touchdown machines. Gabe Davis was known more as a yards after catch guy. Hodgins was known more as a red zone threat. And I thought, which one of these guys is really going to make their impact right out of the gate in training camp? And the whole summer, all I saw on Twitter and the only thing I saw on Facebook really in terms of the Buffalo Bills was Gabe Davis making these corner of the end zone, two feet in touchdown catches, sideline catches. And that has just continued throughout this entire season. That's all he does is make difficult catches. And I'm not saying it like that's bad. I'm saying it like, wow, that's, you know, he's amazing. The guy is a rookie in this offense, rookie in this league, and he's their second best wide receiver on this team. I love Cole Beasley. Um, he's the true slot guy. You know what that entails, a, a, a short term, you know, a short uh, route guy that, that gets yards after catch. And he's fantastic at what he does. But in terms of a well-rounded wide receiver, I think Stefan Diggs and Gabe Davis are the two best receivers on this team. And that's not a shot at John Brown, but John Brown wasn't really as reliable this year for Buffalo based on the injuries that he had had throughout the season. So I think, if the bills do want to make some cap room and, and wiggle some cap room around, that is a decision that Brandon Bean will have to make in terms of letting John Brown go and promoting from within essentially with John Brown, as well as with Isaiah Hodgins. who we haven't really seen much of, and, you know, I don't know if this is just a, a speculative ad, but they did add Kenny stills to this roster too, uh, a couple weeks ago. I don't know if he'll be here next year, but that was an ad that I thought 
that might be something, you know, he, he, he does have an interesting set of skills based on his size and his speed. It's rare to have a guy that big move that fast. So, you know, I, I really like Gabe Davis though. If Stefan Diggs didn't have that three touchdown reception game at the end of the season, um, you know, Gabe Davis would have led this team in touchdowns. So that that's uh that's an X factor for sure in this offense that I that I've really enjoyed watching. Yeah. And speaking from speaking just from an analytical standpoint, I think he meshes and and you alluded to this, Ryan. I think he and Diggs are really good combination for each other because Diggs is a top five route runner in the league. He's elite at separating. He's he's everything you want Josh Allen to have. And Gabe Davis pairs so well because when Josh Allen gets these urges to throw to a fullback 40 yards downfield, well, maybe he'll target Gabe Davis this time instead. And, you know, he ranked, he's number seven in average, average di- target distance, really, which for a rookie is really not heard of because, yeah, they're out there and, you know, this rookie class was so amazing. But for him to be number seven in the league, at average distance downfield throw, I mean, that that aligns perfectly with what Josh Allen wants to do, can do, and is getting better at because he's becoming more accurate because of those mechanics. And John Brown, I'd have to look it up, look it up but, you know, he can replace John Brown and be better because he can make those contested catches that you're talking about. From a fantasy mm-hmm. aspect, Gabe Davis is definitely on my list this offseason of auxiliary players I want to target because I know, you know, he could be my wide receiver three, have a thousand yard season if, if John Brown's not there and you know I'm getting great production for you know a pretty cheap price at the end of the day oh yeah, yeah 12, 12 team leagues I think he's going to be a boom player beyond that he'd be even you know bigger and better I think 10 team leagues especially in Buffalo I was I will see him get picked <laughs> yeah I think so yeah, so you'll get picked but so you know it's it's going to be interesting because does Diggs get 166 targets 1500 yards or do they want to now that they've gotten that chemistry down do they want to spread the ball around more you know will will Cole Beasley get a thousand yards will John Brown even be there we could be talking about again him him easy 600 yards in a very limited role he was only playing 30 40 percent of the team snaps so you know with a full complement of wide receiver let's just say he's a wide receiver three on the team if he's getting that, he, that we're talking about him getting 80, 90, 100 targets. And he caught yeah. seven of 12 red zone passes too. So, you know, he's catching balls in traffic, right? Like, you don't just walk into the end zone and nobody's around for the most part. Seven to 12 is a really high percentage um, for a receiver. So yeah, that's, that, you know. Yeah, that's where he's made his money for sure. And yeah. he was even targeted in the red zone uh, last week against Baltimore. It went, it went through his hands, but. Josh right. Allen loves to throw the ball to Gabe Davis in the end zone. And yeah, he's one of those fantasy football players. It's awesome. Yeah. Strong arm oh, quarterbacks who likes to throw the ball to these big bodied guys, <laughs> especially. And that's what he's going to, he's going to rely on Diggs. But if Diggs isn't open, he's going to rely on somebody he can, you know, throw the ball into a tight window to and, and a little bit better catch radius. And that's why I think Knox has a better season next year. I think Davis takes a step forward. And it's going to be a little bit of a trim off of the numbers of Diggs and Beasley. Not that their yeah, roles aren't going to I be, could see that. But, you know, progress the youth of the team a little bit. And then if you lose, you know, 50 targets in nine games to John Brown, you know, and it, is Isaiah McKenzie going to get another 35 targets? 
Sounds yeah. like Tim is just bashing uh, Diggs again. That's what all I'm hearing is. No, I'm, Diggs I'm, is I'm actually talking up Gabriel Davis, <laughs> saying that he's. I agree with. No, but now he's taking away from Diggs. Well, no, I, no, he know, could. He the could. I do see the point. I see the point. I do too. I, I do too. I see the point, but I think it could mean too that, um, you know, that if if Josh Allen basically, I see Josh Allen having a better year next year than he had this year. Wow. I, I do That's... see that. I see I see him being better. Not even I'm not saying statistically. I'm saying in terms of how he'll spread the ball around, there was a huge honeymoon phase with Stefan Diggs that has played <laughs> itself out this entire season. But he 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 has spread the ball around relatively well this year. I think he's gonna do a better job of that, which will actually in some ways help his stats. He's gonna allow the playmakers around him to get that yak, get the yards after catch. And I do hope that that does lead to the running backs of the Buffalo Bills being a little bit more um, statistically productive because I, I do think that Zach Moss and Devin Singletary have what it takes. I, I think that the the way that these players are looked at right now, their afterthoughts in this season, based on how successful this passing offense has been, but these guys have ability. It's not for a lack of trying. Last year, Devin Singletary was averaging you know over five yards a carry. Zach Moss was was just getting his feet wet. I'm telling you leading up to that injury, he was looking good in the playoffs. He did, he did some decent things on limited opportunities. So, you know, we'll see there too. That's another huge factor heading into next year that um, in order for them to be a, a elusive, you know, greatest show on turf esque offense, you have to have contributions from your running backs. You, you just have to. Yeah. So uh, last Last quick segment here. I just want your opinions on the NFC side. Um, Rogers versus Brady. Wow. The tail, the tail of the tape, the tail of the tape. You got, are you worried about Brady playing in cold weather? Uh, No, I'm not because he's done it. Fans are. Oh my gosh. That just just shows that they do not deserve Tom Brady. If you, if you question Tom Brady in, in any way, you don't deserve to have him on your team. Well, you should be immediately useless. released. So I joined <laughs> a bunch of fan groups this offseason to kind of get a feel for what other fan bases feel about their teams. So I'm on the Bills Mafia fan group. So I so I, I see uh, some folks. Nice. I'm on the official Tampa Bay one. I'm on some other teams. I love that. That's great. And it, it's, it's interesting to see what other fan bases talk about because living in New England as a Patriots fan, you don't get that to learn that. Now I'm not on there talking, you know, crap to anybody. I, I I'll like some posts if you know I, I'll be a pro- productive member of the group, but I'm I'll never once comment saying somebody you know somebody's wrong, somebody's this, somebody's that. Mm-hmm. You, you know, I I just kind of quietly sit there and just read, but it's very interesting to see somebody made a post. I'm really worried about it being 20 degrees in Green Bay this weekend, and I'm like. Oh, I don't get it. I, I, I just, Tom Brady is there now, not Jameis Winston, right? <laughs> like you're, you're questioning the greatest quarterback of all time, oh, of all time. Like it's it's not even. I love Peyton Manning. I, I shout out to Joe Montana too, a little bit before my time. But th- there is something out there to, out there called YouTube. You can uh, you can indulge in some Joe Montana a little bit to an extent, but it's, the two best quarterbacks I've ever seen are Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. And I think Brady is better just in terms of 
accomplishments and, and everything he's done, obviously, but to be 43 and to essentially play a LeBron James-esque role and say, I want this guy, I want this guy, I want this guy, and to have it work, that goes beyond being a great player. That's that's a a coaching level of genius that is in the mind of, of a quarterback. And um, I think that if, if I'm a betting man, I'm, I think Tampa Bay is going to go into Lambeau and, and beat Green Bay. Um, I love Aaron Rodgers, um, but I am a little bit ticked off because I, I feel like if Aaron Rodgers didn't have the year he had, we all know who would be the MVP and he <laughs> plays for the Buffalo Bills, uh, Josh Allen. Um, sidebar there. That's really the only guy outside of Mahomes and, and Rodgers, I think, that stand in the way of that. But really, Rodgers has had a, a phenomenal season. Um, but I think that you go back to the regular season, Tampa Bay stomped out Green Bay. I know it was then and this is now, but it seems like Green Bay defensively just doesn't really have the defense to spread things out, um, that, that you would have the ability to spread things out against them if you're Tampa Bay. And when you can spread out a defense and you're the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with who they have, uh, I think it's going to be very tough to stop them. And I think they're actually getting hot at the right time. I think the playoffs, they, they squeaked into the playoffs a little bit, and now they're hot in the playoffs, which – you know, that that's, that's the right time to be hot. Yeah. And, and, you know, if I'm going based off of whose defense is better, I'm going Tampa Bay. If mm-hmm. I'm going whose offensive line is better, I'm going Tampa Bay. If I'm yeah. going with who I trust more in, in, in the NFC championship game, I'm probably going to go Tom Brady who has the better overall offense. I'm probably going to go with the Buccaneers too. Right. Because mm-hmm. If if you can somehow slow outside of Devontae Adams, you really just have to slow down Aaron Jones. Yep. And I think that's a factor too. And Alex, you can shake your head no all you want. No, they're literally the most efficient offense that has been that's ever played football, basically. Aaron Rodgers is running the most efficient offense in NFL history. I'd have to vet that, but it's it's right there. It, it in the last decade, we've never seen the efficiency we've seen out of Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. And you can point to the weapons, you can point to whatever, but Aaron Rodgers makes these pieces go. MVS just needs to catch the ball. If MVS catches the ball, this offense is spectacular. I mean, it already is. I, I don't, I, I think the Bucs are going to win, but I don't think it's going to be because Brady's the better quarterback at this point. I think it's some of the other things of, offensive line and kind of this clutch factor with Brady. And there's a lot of pieces to it, but mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers at this point is going to show out. I, I think he th- throws up a ton of points. It's just who gets the ball last. That, hey, I think I'm, it's going to come down to who gets the ball last. I'm cool with whatever result, as long as they're playing the bills in the Super Bowl. that's, <laughs> that's fine. But, <laughs> but to the game though, I think that uh, there is an X factor here in this game. I, I think Ronald Jones has, he looked fantastic against the saints. I know it's, it's when a different, they use them <laughs> when they use them. Right. And that's another thing, the battle between this, you know, quote unquote battle. I don't know if it's just the media drawing things up, you know, or, um, you know, dr- throwing out, you know, fake news sometimes in, in sports, but I feel like there was a legitimate beef with how this offense was run with Bruce Arians and Tom Brady. And, and I feel like, now they're trying to let Tom Brady kind of run the show a little bit, and they're seeing the positive results of that. I would like to see Tampa Bay try to just pound the Packers' defense with the run game with Fournette and Ronald Jones, at least early in the game. 
and, that's and then it. Green Bay is very out. susceptible to the run as well. Now, right. I, I actually feel that Ronald Jones is going to have more of an impact or the combination – the Bucks' backfield is going to have more of a impact on the game than the Green Bay Packers' backfield yeah. just based off the fact of the front seven they're going against. I think the Bucks have the best front seven in football. Um, Devin White and um, – Levante David and Jason Pierre Paul Vita Vey is cut back now. They just designated him for return. So, I mean, th- that's a dangerous front seven. And I met him once. Vita Vea? Yeah. He was, he was he was he was at a, a Disney hotel. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's right. You told me <laughs> that in the offseason. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, one one thing about the Tampa Bay defense, and we won't spend forever on it is that they do allow the most receptions to running backs in the league. And that plays really well into Aaron Jones. Um, so I think a bit of an X factor there. I don't know that they're going to get a lot done on the ground, but I can see kind of the extension of the running game being Aaron Jones, just kind of shredding apart, um, just shredding apart some passes in, the, in that part of the game. So what do we have for score predictions? I think this one uh, is going to be 28 to 24 Tampa Bay. And uh, I, I think Tom Brady will, will have the opportunity to win a Super Bowl in Tampa Bay, which is pretty sickening. I'm not going to lie. Uh, kind of makes me want to throw up in my mouth, but it, it is what it is. He is the greatest. Uh, can't take it away from him. I'm rooting for Green Bay, though. I won't lie to you. I am rooting for Green Bay. I, I like Green Bay. I always have dating back to, you know, Brett Favre and, um, you know, Donald Driver and, um Amon Green, you know, those are some dudes that I that I streamed for fantasy a time or two. So, you know, I, I do like I do like Green Bay. They're a small market team like Buffalo, and um, they have a great fan base like Buffalo. So I'm rooting for Green Bay, but in my heart, I feel like Tampa Bay is going to take it. Give a soft spot for teams that play in the Colts, huh, Ryan? That's true, and that's the way football is meant to be played. Not no, thank you. Luxurious domes. Oh, with, I love with, domes with all the, with all these bright lights shining in your eyes. Let's let's open things up. Let's get the tailgate. Let's get the tables, and uh, let's have Matt, some fun. Get the tables. Throw people on them. <laughs> you oh, so that here's, here's something I need to know because I'm actually in the market for one of those nice fold out tables that you can use at a barbecue. Is there like a special deal for Buffalo Bills fans? Can you get? Are they like half price if you say you're gonna throw someone through them? Because if so, just buy me one. Send it up here. I'll pay for the shipping. There are there are two major grocery stores in oh West New York. One is one is Tops Friendly Markets. Okay, they they sell a lot of Bills gear and stuff in the grocery store. Not the other sponsor. the other is Wegmans. Okay, Wegmans is literally the greatest grocery store you'll ever walk into in your life. And I say that not they're not a sponsor of my show either, um, but I will give them that they are the best grocery store ever. I've never I've traveled a lot over the years. Have you Wegmans traveled to Publix, Ryan? Publix is decent. Wegmans, no. I'm telling you. Wow. I'm telling you, dude. I'm I telling don't you. know. You just I've been pissed to... off every Floridian. <laughs> I love Florida, South. too. I, I got family down there. I've been to Publix. I've been to Lava Laws in Canada. No, I'm telling you. Uh, Wegmans Market crazy. Basket. You ever heard of Market Basket? Oh, I have. Yeah. Get out yeah. of here with your Market Basket. <laughs> <laughs> it does not compare to Publix. And Did you say Wegmans, Ryan? Wegmans, yes. I, yes. We, might have to, we might have to make a group trip to Wegmans. Dude, I'm telling you. I will, I will literally. I, I will, I if, you guys, if you guys come to Buffalo ever, I will take you guys to Wegmans and we'll get 
we'll we're gonna some- we're gonna throw each other through a table. That'll be It'll what be- we do. But they do have tables there. That was to my point. They have tables there. You know, they're they're um, you know tailgate tables, whatever you want to call them. Um, and, and they sell them, and people are getting smashed through them. I've never been <laughs> smashed through a table. I've never smashed anyone else through a table. The Bills win the Super Bowl. That might happen, or even go. Twenty eight years is oh. a Bills fan, and you've never been thrown yeah. through. A- I'm starting to question your fandom. No, yeah. I've never, I've never been you, smashed you, through a, a table. Pink? Is that what you're telling us? Are you a pink, a pink cat? cat? Yeah, <laughs> it sounds like. So yeah, because I don't I've know. I set up the tables. Energy with them last year, you know. I think I think we got a pink cat here. No table. I mean, I just saw a TikTok yesterday of a baby being thrown through a mini table. Yeah, you have yeah. less experience than a baby. I'm Ryan. very worried about your fan base, but <laughs> for, for you to tell me you haven't been thrown or jumped through a table, no, I mean, I've out. But I'll tell you one thing though. Once COVID is all set, I would love to drive to Buffalo and watch a Bills game. I'll fly. Yeah, that, I'll fly yeah that'd up. be awesome. I I would love. I've I host my own tailgate, and um, it's uh, it's an uh, you know I've smashed I've smashed others through tables. Okay, but, that's okay. you know <laughs> that's you know oh I've done that you know power bomb you know last ride you know shout out to the Undertaker you know nice. but, <laughs> so but uh, right. never never been smashed myself. Probably the last question. Could I be smashed through a table in a Dolphins jersey, or is that breaking like the law? They might. No, that's 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 why that's so accepted among Bills Mafia. Really? Oh, Bills Mafia is great. If I wear a Brady jersey, will I be thrown without my permission? Yes. If you're wearing a Brady, (laughs) if you wear a Brady's jersey or a Tom Brady jersey, I should say, um, there's actually a shirt that goes around the tailgate circles. It's Tom Brady with a Bozo the Clown nose. It's oh, a pretty so popular t-shirt. Roger Goodell. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's a popular t-shirt too. So well, am I gonna um, am I gonna be like picked up and thrown through tables by like a bunch of people around there? Am I would I have to be worried for my life? I yeah, that's a safe assessment. Yeah. I mean, I'm typically I'm typically when, when opposing fans are smashed through tables. They're, they're given tailgate food after they're given a beer. We're not, we're not jerks. We're not, you know, we're not trying to ruin lives or anything like that. We just want to have our fun, you know? Oh, so, so you're I not like it. a 49ers fan base where people get killed at like Raiders games. Okay. I, I couldn't believe that. that. Yeah, that did happen. That's that's a, very that's unfortunate. A, yeah, that did happen. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> but, uh, okay. But, um, so at least I know I can show up in my Brady Jersey and not be threatened for my life. For the most part, I mean, not not by anyone that I'm with. I can't, I can't, control, I can't control what other people are doing. I, you know, but people that I'm with, you know, they they poke fun. But you know, I'll have as long fun with it, I'll have fun with it. But yeah, because I'm a good sport about it, you know. So I've yeah. been, I've been to, you know, I've been to Florida and seen Celtics games with my Celtics jerseys on, and you know, I have fun with it. But I'm also respect, like, you know, I'm. Ch- chanting with Lakers fans at a Celtics game. It, it, it's it's all fun at the game, but you know, you don't have to if I go down there, if we go watch a Bills game with you, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll behave. I'll wear I'll wear just a regular red shirt so I don't stick out like a sore thumb. No, you don't have to hide. I mean, we don't want we don't want posers. We want people to be the real fans <laughs> they are. Uh, I, I no posers. Fine, I'll, I'll wear I'll wear a uh, James Devlin jersey then. So this, You know where you, you could cross one? I have you could ball ball jersey. You could cross the 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 picket line. I guess you could say wearing like a New England Drew Bledsoe jersey because Drew Bledsoe Ooh. played for our Bills. Nice. You know, so James that's where you, oh, I'll yeah. do Chris Chambers then. 
We'll be good. Was Chris, Chris, Chris Chambers went to the Bills, didn't he? Or am I misremembering I that? I don't think he did. No, Thurman oh, Thomas went to the Dolphins. Yeah, that happened. All right, I'll do that. As one. crazy as that is, but yeah. <laughs> oh, Chargers is who I'm thinking of. Chargers, yeah. yeah he was yeah, awesome. I liked him too. I love Chris Chambers. Yeah. So, all right. So that's all we have for this week. We got our predictions. We talked a little Bills. Um, Ryan, I want to thank you for jumping on and of course, yeah. yeah. Welcome on the podcast. We love having you on. We'll have yeah, you on. and you guys, you guys got to get on my show too. We got to make that happen. I, I have my show streaming. You know, people get to actually watch it and listen to it too. And um, I, I always love hopping on this show. This is uh, always fun for me. And uh, you know, I think that uh, brighter days are ahead for Buffalo. It's been a long time coming, but uh, I feel like it's here. Whether we win or lose Sunday, brighter times are ahead. Ryan, before you go, where can I follow you? You can follow me on Twitter at Ryan Thomas Take. Uh, Instagram as well, same handle. I'm very active on Instagram. Uh, and uh, my podcast is the Thomas Take Sports Podcast. It's on Facebook, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Beautiful. Yep. So definitely follow Ryan, listen to his show. Ryan, I... I want to thank you again, and I can't wait to have you on again. And uh, definitely, when we can jump on your podcast as well. Of course, Tim, Alex, it is a pleasure. And uh, go Bills! <laughs> go Bills! <laughs>